Welcome to the final feel-good episode of October. We promised you that this month, in spite of the long-held tradition of going creepy, scary, and spooky with all our topics and discussions, we would instead endeavor to make the month more enjoyable and comforting by focusing on that which was both warm and fuzzy. And you have to admit, we've done a heck of a job. We had the warm, fuzzy, but ultimately hard-to-confirm Sasquatch, the artificial and dangerous warm and fuzzy feelings brought on by love potions, and the sort of warm, fuzzy feelings you get if you don't really know the whole story of Beauty and the Beast. But you might have noticed something else. In each case, we presented a warm and fuzzy subject that was somehow not exactly what it seemed, one that somehow changed our perception of what warm and fuzzy meant and could be, one that if carefully examined, turned out not to be very warm and fuzzy at all. Well, in this episode, we aim to change that. We're going to talk about something that is unequivocally warm and fuzzy. Something known for it, in fact. Heck, we'll even tell you how you can experience some warm fuzzies of your very own. Not those mostly faux ones from our earlier episodes this month, but real genuine ones that matter and make a real difference to people's lives. And you hardly have to put forth any effort at all. Promise. You see, this episode is all about beards. And it is hard to argue that a beard is not both warm and fuzzy. We know from personal experience, in fact, that warm and fuzzy is exactly what a beard is. Being beard wearers ourselves, we have lots of first-hand experience to back up our claims. So yes, beards are both warm and fuzzy. Confirmed. No further discussion necessary. Ever since the first beards cropped up on the first humans, which was pretty much right from the start, one of their chief uses has been keeping the face warm in the male of the species. And while it used to be that females could grow something of a beard as well, Years and years of natural selection have largely ruled out their ability to do so, with only a very few exceptions. But it is fair to say that there is far more to beard wearing and growth than just keeping a man's face warm while he's away from home on the hunt. We haven't had to worry about that in any serious way for quite some time, so beards are technically unnecessary in the present day for the vast majority of people. And yet, people still insist on growing and maintaining a beard even today. Especially today. So there must be some other functions of the beard that make them a necessity for some folks. The fact of the matter is, the beard is a symbol. And not just a symbol of being genetically male, nor just a symbol of a certain level of masculinity and virility. No, the beard has come to symbolize many things over the years. This year alone, it has come to symbolize the attitude and effect on someone who has been locked inside for nearly nine months with not much in the way of human contact, aside from an echoey webcam connected to an online chat room, trying desperately to maintain some form of social interaction. Come on, people! Get a decent lapel mic for under 30 bucks, for Pete's sake. Of course, your attitude to the idea of facial hair is very dependent on the same two things it always has been. Whether you look at yourself in the mirror and see someone who looks darned good in a beard, or see people who have beards as being scruffy and unkempt, 
It all comes down to the current fashion and what you think it means when someone is sporting a beard. And also probably a bit of hereditary predisposition. To paraphrase famous beard-wearing psychologist Sigmund Freud, it's fair to say a beard is never just a beard. This is GM Word of the Week, and I'm Fiddleback. Aside from the fact that early man was so early they hadn't even invented the razor yet, the wearing of a beard of any kind had three basic functions for our oldest ancestors. Warmth, intimidation, and protection. Technically, a beard isn't about warmth, though. Rather, it's about something called thermoregulation. But to understand it all, we need to understand hair and beard growth. All hair is made of a protein called keratin. Not only does keratin make up things like your hair and nails, it also helps stimulate hair growth. However, hair growth is not a continuous process. It occurs in three distinct phases, and at any given moment, any particular hair can be in any one of those three stages. Beard hair is, as anyone who has a beard or who has a significant other who has a beard can tell you, much coarser than the hair on your head and runs through its growth cycle much more quickly than head hair, but it still follows the same three phases. To begin with, the first part of the cycle is called the anagen phase and is the primary growth phase. On average, hair grows about one centimeter per month during the anagen phase, which can last from three to five years, depending on the genetics of the individual involved. For those of you on the imperial system, that's anywhere between 14 and 23 inches of growth before the end of the anagen phase, assuming it goes uncut. Roughly 80 to 90% of your head hair is in this phase at any one time. For most folks, that two foot length represents what is called the terminal length. Your beard simply isn't capable of getting much longer than that with only a few individual exceptions thanks to genetics, hormone levels, and a few other factors. For most folks, that's it though. The next phase, catagen, is transitional. Hair follicles in this phase shrink down and essentially renew themselves over the course of roughly the next two weeks. The hair itself is cut off from further nutrition and growth, although it will still appear to grow as the shrinkage of the follicle begins to push the hair up and out. About 1% of hair follicles are in this phase. The final phase is called telogen. During this phase, the hair follicle rests for up to four months and replenishes the cells needed to make the next hair. Oddly, one of the effects of this process can be to lock the old hair in place as new epidermal cells fill in the gaps left during catagen. Eventually though, telogen phase hair will be shed as the follicle is refreshed and starts growing again, finally enabling the old hair to fall out and preparing the way for a new hair to start growing in the next two weeks as the follicle enters the antigen phase once more. This accounts for the remaining 20% or so of hair. Age, genetics, hormones, and environment all play a part in the rate of hair growth. So saying that an average hair grows at a centimeter a month is, well, average, doesn't mean that every hair you have grows at exactly this rate, or that the rate is the same for all people. Some people grow as little as a tenth of an inch over the course of a month, while other individuals may see as much as two or three inches a month. It all depends. And 
As studies have shown, women's hair grows no faster or slower than men's. The reason they have longer hair in general is simply that, in general, they cut it less often and less short than men do. By and large, there isn't anything you can do to increase the rate of growth, though there do exist a few options for increasing the length of the antigen phase, which means your beard hair will have a longer period in which to grow. Since beard hair goes through the cycle faster, it can replace itself more quickly, leading to fuller, bushier beards over a shorter period of time. And this is part of what allows the beard to help keep the face warm, or rather thermoregulated. When exposed to cold weather, molecules of skin contract, which causes body hair to rise up. This traps air and heat against the skin, keeping your face, and whatever else is exposed but hair covered, warm. Studies conducted through the years have shown that on average, a bearded face is 1 to 2 degrees warmer than a clean-shaven one in the winter, which is one reason why many men often have a winter beard and a summer beard. The summer beard will be trimmed shorter in order to allow the face to be cooler during the hot months, which is helped by the shade provided by the hair itself. The real downside to the whole warmer face thing is that long or bushy beards, if allowed to get wet in winter, tend to collapse and freeze up, which does no one any good at all. Beards make your chin look bigger and broader. As an indicator of health and status, the face is the clear winner, and anything done to enhance its appearance was beneficial when it came to competing for food, leadership, and mates back when everyone was still falling out of the trees. A big beard was intimidating and conveyed a certain amount of power. If you were a weak-chinned male looking for a way up the social ladder, you might do well to disappear into the background for a month or two while your beard grew out. Of course, everyone else would be growing theirs out at the same time, so it was of limited benefit for the underdog, but it might make those further down the ladder less likely to think of you as the easy rung. A beard indicated status, health, age, and given the results of recent studies where the preferences of women were surveyed and the findings indicate a definite preference for facial hair on their male partners, greater access to people interested in seeing your etchings. Even if they were only cave etchings at the time. A good beard, suitably dense, will protect the face from the effects of wind and sun, thus preventing chafing and sunburn. Like eyelashes, a beard can also prevent dust, dirt, and unwelcome guests from getting into your mouth. Beards, the eyelashes of the mouth. And a big beard can even throw off the aim of your enemies should they come around to punch you in the face for showing off your etchings. Though it's a fine line between protection and hindrance with a beard, as people like Alexander the Great knew. He worried that facial hair would allow the enemy to grab hold of the faces of his soldiers and thus make it easier to kill them, so he outlawed beards in his armies as a preventative. And frankly, the beard has had a pretty rocky history since we first learned to trim and cut it. Alexander forced his troops to trim theirs, and pretty soon it was all too fashionable for everyone to go around beardless. Prior to that, beards were very important, and even folks without them by reason of being female wanted one. Ancient Egyptians ascribed power and divinity to those with beards, and for several thousand years every pharaoh, even if a woman, needed a beard to properly fulfill the role. So they developed a metal beard that could be tied and strapped around the head for all official and religious duties for those who couldn't grow beards of their own, male and female. 
In fact, many of the earliest societies insisted that the beard was essential to really be a true member of that culture. The Egyptians had their metal beards, but the earlier Mesopotamians and Assyrians and Israelites took things a few steps further. You might think there's far too much talk now among millennials about beard care and oils and various unguents, and how to properly obsess over the care of your beard and even the most minor of details, but that's nothing compared to the way the Assyrians and Mesopotamians went about things. Their beards were arranged into multiple rows of small, tight curls, each individually done up with the equivalent of a curling iron, and then oiled to keep it feeling soft and looking and smelling fresh. The Israelites, on the other hand, and many modern Jews, believed that the beard wasn't to be messed with. The Bible gave instructions about not cutting the corners of the beard, and even though exact interpretations aren't entirely agreed upon, it is agreed that whatever the instructions are, and however you understand them, it is important to follow them in order to keep the law. There might be some rudimentary beard and hair styling, but actually cutting it, except on carefully prescribed occasions, was considered a great offense against the law. Even the Greeks kept beards, though theirs tended to be shorter and more neatly styled with curling tongs. Mustaches would sometimes be shaved off, but by and large, if you were a male and didn't have a beard, something had to be wrong with you. Either that, or you were in mourning. So significant was the beard that when talking to someone about something important, it was a regular habit to reach out and lightly touch the beard of the person you were talking to as a sign of emphasis and fidelity. And then Alexander's edict came along, and suddenly, beards within the Macedonian Empire were just gone. Almost everyone shaved theirs off and kept their faces clean. About the only persons you could find after that point with full beards were the philosophers. And of course it would be the philosophers. They were always on about seeing the world as it really was instead of just accepting what other people told you it was. So naturally, when everyone else was shaving theirs off, the philosophers were growing theirs out. And it soon became such a distinct sign of a philosopher that if you wore a beard after that point in Macedonian history, people would just assume you were a philosopher, no matter how much pig muck you were currently standing in. Which is why we now associate people with long beards, with wisdom and discernment, even in spite of all evidence to the contrary. You'd hardly catch a respectable wizard without some sort of beard these days. Meanwhile, the Romans seem not to have gotten the memo. For the first 500 years or so of Roman history, shaving appears to have been unknown to them. And it wasn't until Scipio Africanus came along and shaved off his beard that it suddenly became the fashion to be clean-shaven in Rome. After all, how else were they supposed to tell each other from the Greeks, who, as we know, they at once idolized and wanted to keep their distance from? Having a beard now meant only one of two things. Either you were a slob, or you were in mourning. And then, just as suddenly the Greeks were back in fashion again around 200 CE, and everyone had to have beards once more, partly thanks to the Emperor Hadrian sporting a beard to hide his facial scars. And then beards were out again once Constantine came along. And really, that's a major theme of the beard. It comes and goes in and out on the whims of fashion and fancy. But beards also play a much larger symbolic role. It's really an extension of the beard's intimidation factor in a way, as a result of its ability to display information about the person wearing one. Medieval knights had beards to display their honor and virility, while the Catholic clergy of the time didn't 
to show they were celibate. In Arabia, before Islam, men had elaborate mustaches but very short or no beards. When Muhammad came along, he told his followers to wear their mustaches short but to grow their beards out so they could show they stood apart from the old religion and represented something new. In China, the Manchu rulers, who were in the minority, were mostly clean-shaven to set themselves apart from the far more populous Han, who wore long beards in keeping with the Confucian ideal. As part of Peter the Great's modernizing of Russia, he imposed a tax on facial hair in 1705 and ordered his men to shave theirs off in order to bring them in line with the rest of Europe, signifying their symbolic joining with contemporary society. Similarly, in the Chinese revolutions of the early 20th century, many Chinese men saw the West as more modern and progressive, and to signal that they were up to spec, they shaved off their beards and mustaches to match the current Western fashion. Of course, the only reason this was the fashion in the West was thanks to two things. Up on the silver screen, the heroes of the day were all clean-shaven with short hair to boot. And so, boys and men began to associate the beardless look with being brave and strong and heroic. This whole idea was helped along by the other innovation of the time, psychological marketing and the Gillette Razor Company. Gillette discovered, to absolutely no one's surprise, that men who grew and kept beards had little interest in their products. So they hired ad agencies skilled at using the latest in psychology to encourage men to adopt a more clean-shaven, short-haired look and maintain it. With the help of Gillette's products, of course. And then, along came the anti-establishment hippies of the 1950s. And they were all about rejecting then-current societal norms. So beards and long hair were back in. Again, as a way to signal that they wanted no part of the culture of crew cuts, business suits, and wars in foreign lands. This, and the reaction to it, combined with earlier attitudes from the movies and cleanlinesses next to godliness movements from even earlier Victorian and Edwardian society, helped set the notion that bearded folks were dirty, scruffy, lower-class, lazy citizens that many people still cling to in the present day. Even so, the popularity of beards began to rise again through the 60s, 70s, and 80s, until today when just about anyone who can grow a beard can do so without being looked at more than, eh, about twice. Usually. Provided they keep it neat and tidy and work rules allowed it. Except, when you don't have to actually go to work in order to go to work, some rules can be thrown right out the window. And now, this year, 2020, everyone who has ever wanted a beard can have one just by sitting around at home and letting it happen. And now that you have let it happen, let us take a moment to remind you of something. Something which you can do to get warm fuzzies all your own. See, next month is November, just four days away from the time this episode comes out, and we'd like to call your attention to something important. No one has asked us to do this. This is just something we think is worth your consideration. We don't much go in for causes around here, but we do think there are a few causes worth giving some thought to, one of which is something called No Shave November. No Shave November bills itself as a month-long journey during which participants forego shaving and grooming in order to evoke conversation and raise cancer awareness. The goal of No Shave November is to grow awareness by embracing our hair, which many cancer patients lose 
and letting it grow wild and free. Then, instead of spending money on hair and beard care products, donate the money you typically spend on shaving, grooming, and haircutting to help educate folks about cancer prevention, saving lives, and aiding those fighting the battle. Contributions go towards the funding of the Prevent Cancer Foundation, Fight CRC, and St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Participate by growing a beard, cultivating a mustache, letting those legs go natural, and skipping that waxing appointment. The rules of No Shave November are simple. Put down your razor for 30 days and donate your monthly hair maintenance expenses to the cause. Strict dress code at work? Don't worry about it. We encourage participation of any kind. Grooming and trimming are perfectly acceptable. And that's our ask for November. We've set up a URL at No Shave November for those who have the wherewithal to participate. Many of you have been stuck at home growing your beard already anyway, so maybe we can turn that to some good. If you'd like to contribute, visit our GM Word of the Week team page at no-shave.org slash team slash GM underscore W-O-T-W underscore podcast and read up on the cause and its goals. Then donate whatever you are comfortable contributing. We'll have a link in the show notes. Because everyone deserves to feel warm and fuzzy this year. Just like you and your beard. Thanks for listening to this episode. Normally, we put a bit here asking for your help supporting the show through one of our support facilities like Patreon. But this time, we're going to tell you not to do that for November. Instead, go to no-shave.org slash team slash GM underscore W-O-T-W underscore podcast and give what you would have pledged to us there instead. We think cancer research and prevention is a pretty worthy cause. And again, that link will be in the show notes. This episode was researched, written, and produced by Brian, man with a beard, Casey. Music was provided by Blue Dot Sessions, located at sessions.blue. I see the beard and cloak, but I don't yet see a philosopher. Thank you.